Welcome to another edition of The Road. It's our vision to make wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ and to see you grow in the grace and knowledge of His love. If you're in the area, we welcome you to come out and join us for our Saturday night service beginning at 6 p.m. We meet at Chapel Hills Church located at 2025 Parliament Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80920. Well, I want to speak to you tonight about the mighty hand of God. I want to tell you about the, the difference between the story of Exodus. Those of you that are doing PBJ, we're right in the book of Exodus, about chapter 20 if you're on target. It's been an interesting journey. And so we see this, this, the Hebrew people, but I want to compare the Hebrew people of the Old Testament to those of us that are here in this room in the year 2015. And I propose to show you that there's not a whole lot of difference. The similarities are incredibly striking and incredibly powerful. Today we have people in our churches, when I, in our church globally, that are very religious, but they've never experienced a born-again experience. Our churches are filled with people that go to church, pay their tithes. Some of them teach Sunday school class. Some of them pastor those churches. I remember years ago meeting a pastor. I was planting our first church up in Wyoming and was determined to meet the other pastors in the area. And I met this one particular pastor. I won't share the denomination. He had been the longest standing pastor in this community. And we just got to talking. And I was, I, I was a young Christian I'd never been a part of a church plan. I'd never done anything this radical in my life. And, and I'm just excited to be a Christian. And I'm thinking everybody in ministry is excited to be a Christian. And so he and I are talking, and he begins to tell me how that he doesn't believe in the virgin birth. He doesn't believe in the authority of Scripture. He doesn't believe that Jesus Christ physically, bodily, rose from the dead. And I am sitting in his presence in absolute dismay. How can you not believe the foundational things of, of Christianity, the things upon which we base our faith, and be in the ministry? Well, he had a really nice house, drove a really nice car, had a much better suit than I had. It was a vocation. He could just have easily been a mailman, a police officer, a fireman. I mean, for him, it was a, a vocation. And it shocked me because I had never met someone in ministry like that in my life. And then we have people in our churches that are genuinely saved. They do love the Lord. They do love the Lord, but they still struggle with unresolved offenses, deep wounds, and emotional pain. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, verse 12 said, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Whether you're saved or whether you are unsaved, we are all dealing with, all living in a spiritually bankrupt and broken society. We are all dealing with demonic forces that are very, very real, that are determined to keep us 
bound. Just like the children of Israel in the book of Exodus. There were people there. They were all known as the people of God, but there were those that were followers of Yahweh, and there were those that were just born into a heritage. And all of them were under severe bondage, all of them struggling, all of them calling out for help. And you know, our churches are filled with those people today. So I want to show you, again, the parallels between the people of Egypt and the people today. First of all, the Jewish people were in bondage to Pharaoh. That's, that's a no-brainer. You know that. I know that. They were in bondage. And it's an interesting thing because when they first went down to Egypt, they had incredible favor. They were in Egypt at the invitation of Pharaoh because of the testimony and the position of Joseph, who had been sovereignly raised up for a very specific purpose. But then that king, that Pharaoh died, new Pharaoh came up. He did not know, did not care They said, you know what? We've got a lot of people here that could do us good. Let's enslave them all. Have them build our temples, build our pyramids, make our lives easier. They were in bondage. People today are in bondage. They're slaves to sin. John 8, 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, you're probably thinking, I could have gone to the new movie that just came out, Fantastic Four, or whatever it is. And here I am, and this guy is telling me that if I practice sin, I'm a slave to sin. You are. If you practice sin, you are a slave. You are as much a slave as the children of Israel who were in bondage and were slaves then. Romans 6.16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. In our congregation tonight, we have people that are slaves. Some of you are slaves unto righteousness. My dear brother is a slave to righteousness. I am a slave to righteousness. But I remember before I was a Christian... The few times that I went to church, which were very few, one time in particular, Billy Graham, if my memory serves me correct, it's been a long time ago, it was in the 60s somewhere, Billy Graham was holding one of those huge crusades in the Denver, what what used to be um, Coors Field, the old arena there, I mean, there's thousands of people, and I was attending a little Nazarene church. I was about as saved as this pulpit. But I've always loved music, any kind of music. I like music. And back then, I could actually carry a tune. And so our church, little, our little church choir, decided to be part of the huge citywide mass choir for the Billy Graham Crusade. I was in that choir. I am in this huge choir of hundreds of, of hundreds of Christians from just about every denomination across the state of, of Colorado, and I am an absolute reprobate. I'm abusing drugs, alcohol, and people, and those are just the good things that I was doing. And so he brings this message which was incredibly simple, pierced my heart, 
and he gives the altar call. Hundreds of people from all the stands, they are coming down by the thousands, filling up that field, and I'm looking around, and no one is going down from the choir. And I wasn't going to be the first. The conviction of the Holy Spirit was so heavy on me. I knew that I was a slave to sin. I knew that God wanted to set me free. But because of my pride and what other people might think of me leaving the choir, we're supposed to be saved. We're singing praises to God. And I guarantee you that is the day. I will never forget that day. Because my life went from a gradual downward slide. Somebody cut the bottom out and I started to fall like a rock. I denied God so terribly that day. And I paid a huge and terrible price for that for several years. I was in church. I was in the choir. And I did not know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I was a slave. Not only were they in bondage, but they had harsh taskmasters who exploited the people of Israel for their own desires. I mean, they weren't just slaves. They were harsh. Exodus 1, verse 11, Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them. To afflict them with heavy burdens. The word afflict means to put down, become low, to be depressed, to be downcast, to be afflicted, to stoop. As I read these words, think about your life. Think about your life. Do any of these words strike a chord in you? Are you afflicted? Do you feel put down, depressed or downcast, heavy burden, hard labor, forced labor, compulsory service? Before I came to know the Lord, I was an addict compulsory. I didn't want to do the things that I did, but I did them anyway because I didn't know how not to do them. Does that make sense to you? It was compulsory. I was afflicted like the children of Israel, a hard taskmaster afflicting my life with a heavy burden. Today, Satan and his demons oppress and demoralize people by beating them down with lies, with deception, with compulsive behaviors. Do you know someone who always exaggerates the truth? You ask them a straightforward question, and the truth is this big, but their answer is this big. Someone who cheats on their taxes, someone who cheats on their wife, cheats on their husband, someone who is a dry alcoholic, Do you know what a dry alcoholic is? He's a person that can't put down the bottle, but he can function at a high level. Compulsory. Compulsory. Can't leave the pornography alone. We could name a thousand things. A thousand things of what it means to be oppressed and demoralized by demonic spirits. The Jewish people were subjected to cruel and harsh labor making their lives bitter. Exodus 1, 13 through 14, so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service. Bitter. If you've ever struggled with unforgiveness, you understand bitterness. 
You understand it. Sometimes I talk to people. I may have shared this story before. I was talking with a woman, and she was telling me about the death of her husband. They were out boating with the kids, and there was an accident, and she and the children watched her husband die, and they were just powerless to do anything. And I'm thinking, this is so terrible. You know, this must have happened like last week, maybe yesterday. And I asked, I I said, well, how long ago did this happen? Fifteen years ago. They went to church together as a family. They served together in their local assembly. When her husband, when she watched her husband die, she walked out of her relationship with God. How could you allow something like this to happen to us? Unforgiveness settled into her heart. Bitterness gripped her soul. I have a vice in my garage, big steel vice. If I want to hold something, I put it in there, and I crank that thing, and then I put a pipe on it, and I push it one more time because I don't want that thing to get loose. There are people in churches that feel like they are in a vice, that they are gripped so tight that they can't let it go. They can't let it go. Maybe it happened last week. Maybe it happened decades ago. But they are still subjected to cruel and harsh labor, their lives bitter. People today struggle with bitterness, anxiety, emotional torment, and depression. I talk with those people almost every day because of what I do. I talked with another woman, and I also talk to guys that have problems too. I mean, I know I'm just using female examples, but those are the ones that are coming to my mind. I talked to a lady last week um, who wanted wanted prayer because there was a witch that was cursing her, and she had lost two jobs and had five accidents. The man she was engaged to dumped her, kicked her to the curb. And other people that she knew who went through hard times, it was all the result of this one person who was praying against them. There was nothing that I could say that would dissuade her that bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. Some of those bad things are the result of demonic activity and bondage. The Jewish people, they were powerless to free themselves. They couldn't free themselves. You know, it's an interesting thing because numerically, they were huge. When you consider, when you, when you read the story of Exodus and you see how many people were led out of Egypt, the count was on the men. The count was the men and said, and their wives and their children, about the size of Colorado Springs. Can you imagine the city of Colorado Springs getting up and walking out in one day? They were massive in numbers and yet were under the thumb of hard taskmasters, a pharaoh that was determined to keep them as slaves. They couldn't free themselves. And you know what? We can't free ourselves. Now, let me say this because I believe in biblical counseling and I am a huge fan of Celebrate Recovery and there are other programs that are Christ-centered. I refer people to CR probably three or four times a week at least. I refer people to in-treatment and outpatient 
um, centers for their alcoholism, for their drug addiction, for their sexual addiction. I believe in all of those things. And all of those things are good to a point. But let me say this. I'll use a baseball analogy. Those things can get you from home plate to first base. And if they're really, really good, maybe they'll get you to second base. But they'll never get you all the way around the bases to home plate again. They're good as far as they go. But if you succeed in breaking free, it's not because you were with the right people, the right accountability person, you were doing PBJ. It is not because of what you're doing. If you are free, it's by the mighty hand of God, period, end of story. He either sets you free or you're still struggling. And it's the truth. And I believe in these other things. There is, I mean, how many thousands of self-help books are there? Videos, CDs, radio programs, Dr. Laura, Dr. Phil. I'm waiting for the next doctor to show up who's got the magic answer. Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. The people of Israel, they cried out to the Lord. And he sent them Moses. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians. Now, here's the thing that's important about that scripture. This is very important. I hope you get this. I have heard their cry. You know, sometimes in our bondage, in our slavery... We do get desperate, and we, and we do genuinely. We cry out to God. We cry out to God. Maybe we're fasting and praying, and we're crying out, God, please, you've got to move. You've got to do something. I cannot live this way anymore, and we cry out, and nothing happens. Maybe the situation actually gets worse than it was before. How many of you have said, why is God not listening? How many have wondered, when is he coming back from vacation? This is true of us today. When we pray, when we cry out to God, even when we are in the bondage of sin, when we honestly, from our heart, cry out to God, send someone, send a deliverer, he hears those cries. He hears them. The prayers that you've been putting forth, the cries, the sacrifices that you've been making, I want you to know God has not turned a deaf ear towards you. He hears you, and he is going to move. But here's the other thing in Exodus 3.19, but I know the king of Egypt, that he will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. It's the same thing today. Same thing today. There is a very real demonic force that is absolutely determined that he is going to keep you bound in chains. He is going to continue to rob, steal, and destroy. And you can cry out all you want, all you want, all day long. You can fast. You can get the church to fast. You can do all kinds of things. And that devil is determined to keep you bound. Here's the second truth. Not only has God heard your prayer, but God understands you can't do this without his strong hand. He understands the devil isn't just going to let you go. It's like, oh, well, they've cried out to God. It's over now. God understands 
that this is going to be a fight, a tough fight. And he is ready to demonstrate his power. He is ready to pull out the stops. He is ready to show his power, to show his magnificence, to show his glory, to show his determination. He is going to defeat that enemy. And for those of you that may be thinking that God is still on vacation, that he hasn't heard your prayers, and if he has heard your prayers, then why are you still bound? I want you to know something. Your exodus is coming. People cry out today, God send a Savior. John 3, 16 through 17, very familiar scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all learned that. But here's verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Some of you are dealing with condemnation. You're here, you're saved, you love Jesus, but you know what? There's this strong taskmaster who just keeps hitting you with that whip, hitting you with that whip. Pick up that burden, make more bricks. You are unworthy, you are unworthy, you're never going to amount to a thing. Do you really think that God cares about you? And yes, you are still saved, blood-bought, loving the Lord, but there's bondage in your soul. Jesus Christ didn't come to this world to point a wagging finger of condemnation. He didn't have to come to do that. All he had to do was call down fire from heaven. He came so that you would know that there's hope, that there's a victor. Hope for you. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 in the Amplified, it reads this way, For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved. The children of Israel could not affect their own deliverance. Their sheer numbers were no match for the chariots, for the armed, the armed forces of Pharaoh. If they rose up to come against Pharaoh, they would have just simply been slaughtered and digging their own graves. And we can't save ourselves, but some of us try. Salvation is through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves. It is not of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is God's gift. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. It is not the result of what anyone could possibly do, so no one can pride himself. I'm thinking of the rich guy who came to Jesus, and he said, Lord, what do I need to do to be saved? That's an interesting question coming from a Jew. Because according to his religion, he did everything that was necessary to be saved. Jesus said, you need to obey the law. And he said, I have done that from my childhood up. He didn't have the Holy Spirit. He didn't have the Word of God. He had the Torah. An amazing statement. He was faithful in doing, but he recognized that he wasn't saved. I'm in church, raised by a Christian, and I'm active in church, and I'm serving in a ministry, and I'm doing all the right things. But God didn't have his heart. And you know the story. Jesus said, just go and sell everything that you have. Come and follow me. Jesus didn't care about the man's wealth. But he knew that the wealth had the man's heart. 
And Jesus wanted his heart. The scripture says the man turned and he walked away very sorrowful because he was exceedingly wealthy. There are people that are coming to Jesus saying, Lord, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to shed the shackles? What do I need to do because I've done everything in my own strength that I know to do and I am still bound? And God asks you for one simple thing and you have to make a decision whether you're going to sell or whether you're going to walk away. An interesting scripture in Zechariah 4 and verse 6, very familiar. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I don't know how many sermons you've heard on that one verse. The word might, hilel, and the word power, koach, are synonymous terms in the Hebrew expressing every human strength in every form, physical, mental, financial, militarily. Jesus is saying, it isn't by might nor by power, it's by my spirit, it's by my strong hand. In Gill's expository dictionary of the entire Bible, he writes, not by external force, by carnal weapons or moral persuasion, but by the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And not by the power of man's free will, but by the effectuous grace of the divine Spirit. It is indeed done by power and by might, but not of the creature. In 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4, For though I walk in the flesh, we are not warring against the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. I don't know everyone here. I cannot presume to know where you are in your relationship, in your walk of faith. But if this is a typical crowd, there are some of you here that are in real desperate need. And all of the rest of us, are in real desperate need. Nobody here has arrived. We have a congregation tonight of cracked pots. You fill us with water and every one of us leaks. Some of us leak worse than others. Everyone here is in need of repair. Are there strongholds in your life? I want the worship team to come up if you would, please. Are there strongholds in your life tonight? Here's a few of them. Unforgiveness, anger, I mean, we all get angry, but some people are just known for anger. People that knew me before I was, well, people that knew me before I was a Christian knew I was a very angry person, but as a young Christian, I still dealt with anger. There were times when I didn't get my way, and it was like I would just black out. And when I came to my senses, there was broken furniture, there was holes in the wall, and I was saved. Resentment, bitterness, selfish ambition, Lust, sexual fantasies, addictions, jealousy, gossip, quarreling, drunkenness, any kind of abuse, any kind of abuse. You get mad at Betty and you tell everybody, let's pray for, let's pray for Betty. It's not about prayer for Betty. It's about you venting your frustration over a sister in Christ. Are you struggling in your mind with worry, anxiety, depression, fear? 
doubting your salvation. I cannot tell you how many people I talk to who, you know, I just, I remember when I accepted Christ, but the devil continually raises the question, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure you're saved? Do you struggle with suicidal thoughts? You know, maybe the world would be better if I just simply wasn't part of it. I don't know what the brokenness is in your life, but I do know this. Whatever you've tried in the past that hasn't worked, there's a strong hand. There's a strong hand. And that strong hand is reaching out with a desire to take yours, to pull you up and to pull you out and to pull you into a freedom that you would never have words even to express. The last scripture, Exodus 13 and verse 3. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. You've been listening to The Road. We pray that you've been blessed by the message today. Our hope is to make wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's why we teach the Word of God verse by verse, scripture by scripture, and precept upon precept. We're excited about all the things God is doing in the lives of our faithful listeners. We understand that there are many trials and tribulations in this world, and we'd love to be able to pray for you as you encounter difficult times. Please drop us a note and let us know how we can pray for you. Write us at The Road, P.O. Box 88485, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80908. If you've been blessed by this message, please let us know as well. Again, the address is The Road, P.O. Box 88485, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80908. If you're in the area, please stop on by and join us at The Road for our Saturday night service at 6 p.m. We meet at Chapel Hills Church, located at 2025 Parliament Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80920. In addition, you can find out more about The Road by going to our website at theroadcs.org. That's theroadcs.org. Make sure you follow us on Facebook as well. That's facebook.com slash theroadcs. If you tweet, you can join the conversation with us at Road Companions. As always, we covet your prayers. Thanks again for tuning in today. And be sure to catch us again next time for another edition of The Road 